You are tuned into Generation Wild Woman. This is your host, Bella, and I share the voices of awakening humans who serve the collective evolution of Earth. We have been silenced for too long, and these are the voices that humanity needs to hear so that together we can usher in a new vibration, a paradigm of heart-centered unity consciousness. Thanks so much for tuning in to the very first episode of Generation Wild Woman. My name is Belle Toza and I am the host of this podcast series and today I would like to share my very own wild woman story. The story of how I birthed my own wild woman and how I have become the woman that I am today. I don't really know where the story's going to go, what twists and what turns are going to be there. Of course, I know my own life and I know everything that's happened. However, I don't really know what's going to come up today because I've set the intention that whatever I share and whatever comes up in this conversation is what my community and the listeners most need to hear and most need to know. I've had a very colourful life, full of adventure, full of twists and full of turns. And I could probably talk for 10 hours as all of us could because every person has a story. But I set the intention today that the parts of my story that will resonate for humanity and for my listeners are the parts of the story that have chosen to be shared today. And I trust my higher self and my own divine intelligence and connection to source to share the most relevant story. So grab a cup of tea or a glass of water, sit back and let's see where this roller coaster journey of my life takes us today. I was born on May 19th, 1978 in Adelaide, South Australia. I spent the first eight years of my life in Adelaide and then as a young girl my family moved to rural outback South Australia. I never met my real father. My mum separated from him when I was just a little baby. And she married another man when I was around three years old. His name was Graham. I had a sister and Graham also had a daughter. So there was me and my mum and Graham and my sister and occasionally Graham's daughter from another family would come to visit. When I was about five years old, my mum and Graham met another couple named Christine and Bill and they had four sons. And at some point in 1983, they decided it would be a great idea to all move in together. So there was four boys and me and my sister and occasionally the stepsister Tammy would come to visit as well. 
So we had six children and four adults living in a small three-bedroom house. And then my family decided to move to rural outback South Australia where we lived in this tiny little town called Tarawi. I had a population of 150 people. Now you can imagine we were a sight for eyes. You know, six kids, four adults living in this tiny little two-bedroom rural outback home. Our primary school that we went to only had 18 students and six of those were my family. So we lived like that for a few years and then at some point it turned sour for the adult relationships. My mum separated from Graham and she moved on with Bill and my dad Graham, he went with Christine. So the, the parents swapped. They swapped families and they separated. So my mum and Bill and uh, my sister, we moved up to the next town and my dad, Graham and Christine and the four boys, they all moved away to another town. And eventually, one by one, the boys all came to live with us as well. So there was my mom and Bill and the boys and me and my sister all living in a small rural town. And we grew up like that for several years. You know, there's a a bit of a twist in this story because as a small girl, Graham, my stepfather, he began sexually abusing me when I was only three years old. And he abused me all through the time that we lived with the four adults and the six kids. He continued to abuse me when the families went their separate ways and I would uh, go to visit them on weekends. And the abuse continued for many, many, many years until I became a teenager. When I became a teenager and I hit puberty, I became wild. I was a complete wild child, I guess you could say. And when the sexual abuse stopped at the time that I became wild, I began abusing myself, going out, getting with boys, being promiscuous, not coming home, that kind of behaviour. It was all I knew. It was the only way that I knew how to get attention. And at the time I got a very bad reputation in the town where I grew up. I was called a slut and a whore and all these other names. But what people didn't know is that I had been sexually abused from the age of three. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I just wanted a man to love me. I I wanted a dad to love me. And the man that my mum did marry, Bill, he was a lovely, kind man. But he wasn't my father. I was looking for a father figure to connect with and to love me. And of course I know now that that was never going to happen. But that was how I went on the path that I did, of being wild, of disrespecting myself, 
of abusing my body, of taking drugs, of going out, of just living the kind of life that I did. When I was 15, I got expelled from high school from the rural outback town where I was living. My school principal sat me down and he looked me in the eyes and he told me that I was going to be a no-hoper, loser, and that I would more than likely be barefoot and pregnant by the end of the year. And that conversation is the single most conversation in my life that I have reflected upon over and over and over again, simply because when my principal looked at me and he told me that I was a no-hoper and that I was a loser, I knew in every 50 trillion cells of my being that he was wrong. I knew that I was going places. I knew that I had something inside of me that was so magnificent that I was actually blown away that he couldn't see it. I remember sitting there thinking, can't he see my light? Can't he see it? And he couldn't. He was blinded to my light. He simply couldn't see. So after I was expelled from school, I went and lived in uh, Adelaide, South Australia. You know, and I lived a life, just a normal, ordinary life. But I had this wanderlust. I had this wanderlust that had always been there for as long as I can recall. I was born with this innate knowing that I was on the planet to do something really important. Really, really important, but I couldn't remember what it was. But I knew that I was on a mission. I can remember telling my siblings as an eight-year-old girl that I was going to make a movie that would change humanity. I remember telling my siblings that I would be famous and my name would be up in lights. And at the time, as a young girl, I thought that I would be a movie star, of course. And that was where my thought went at that time. That hasn't turned out to be the case. However, my soul knew that I was coming to the planet to make a movie that would uplift all of humanity. I had that knowing as a child. So I'm living in Adelaide. I'm just working at Hungry Jack's. I've got this very boring job earning $7 an hour and I would think, is this it? Is this my life? It couldn't be. It couldn't be my life. I had a friend and we went to Bali together and I was about 20, I think. And when I was in Bali, I met this boy there and he was a couple of years younger than me and I had this sort of week-long love affair, I guess you could say, with this boy and he was from Brisbane 
And my trip in Bali ended, but that trip to Bali was like a turning point in my life because when I got back to Adelaide, I couldn't stop thinking about this boy. So I decided to go to Brisbane and to visit him. And when I went to Brisbane and I visited this boy, it was a sliding doors moment for me because I absolutely fell in love with his lifestyle. My soul at the time thought that I had fallen in love with him, but it wasn't really him that I was in love with. I loved the unity of his family. He had two sisters and a mum and dad. They lived on the Brisbane River and they had a beautiful home and a beautiful tight-knit family, the kind of family that I had never experienced amongst my siblings and I and, you know, the topsy-turvy life that I had had, I didn't know that kind of safety and that kind of security and that kind of family support. I didn't know that. So I decided I was going to pack my stuff and I was going to move to Brisbane. And I went in and out and living with that family for many years. They became my rock. I loved that family because what I found in them was something that I was looking for, which was stability, security, safety. I felt safe with that family. And at the time I projected that safeness onto the boy, their son, I thought that I loved him, but of course, you know, now in hindsight, I know that I never did. I was just in love with that that family unit. And then this wanderlust that I had, it took me all around the world, travelling everywhere. I travelled, lived in North America, South America, Europe. I travelled to Dubai. I went all around the world and I spent 10 years exploring the globe. I was on this constant search looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for but I was looking. I was just searching, constantly searching. And, you know, I would climb these magnificent mountains in South America and I'd be at the top of this snow-capped mountain and I would be like, is this it? Is this all my life is going to amount to? I would be in Europe on the Greek islands sipping a margarita, overlooking the most majestic view that my soul had ever seen and I was like, is this it? Is this what my life has come to? Is this the pinnacle? I would be snowboarding down the most steepest you know, snow-capped slope with waist-deep powder and I'd get to the bottom of the run and I'd be like, is this it? I went to the jungle of Peru along a little canoe, you know, going down this river in the Peruvian jungle. Is this it? It was like I was just chasing this elusive rainbow and a leprechaun at the end of the rainbow it was I was just constantly chasing and I didn't even know what I was looking for and then after a decade abroad and traveling I decided to come back 
to Australia and I settled on the Gold Coast and I met who would become my husband. I met Dana in January 2007 and my soul knew instantly that he was the man for me. My head got in the way and kept telling me no because he didn't look anything like any guy I had ever gone for before. But my soul knew. My heart gave me an expanded, oh, yeah, this is your man. So we fell into this relationship. We had a beautiful relationship. I went to film school at Bond University on the Gold Coast and I did that degree and Dana and I, we travelled all around the world. We had the most amazing time. You name a place, we surfed there. We went all through the Pacific Islands. We went to North America. We bought a car and we drove all the way from California to Panama. We spent a year doing that trip. And on that trip, the first drop entered into my mind that, oh, my God, this journey needs to be a surf film. So many amazing things happened on that trip with my husband that I knew that this was going to be a film, but it needed to be a surf film with women. That was in 2011. And then at the same time, Dana and I decided that we would start calling in a baby, that we wanted to bring a a baby in and cement our family. We got married in 2012 and the idea of Surf the Wild Woman, the film, was just that. It was just an idea that I had originally, oh, this needs to be a surf film. But it was such a big idea that I didn't really know how to execute it. So 2012 was the last year of my life that I was going to be the woman that I had lived up until that version. It was also the best year of the former version of myself. Up to that point in my life, 2012 was the best year of my life. Dana and I got married We got married in Bali. All of our friends came. We had this villa on the beach. We went to the Maldives and we surfed and we sunned and, you know, it was the pinnacle. And, you know, that time we were trying to have a baby. Nothing was happening. And then at the end of 2012, I wanted to go to New York. My soul had been calling me to go to New York. And I went to New York to a film school over there and I wanted to learn how to video edit. Uh, I did do editing at uni but I sort of didn't really get into it. So my soul went to New York. I got called to New York and I went to this video school called the Edit Centre. And while I was in New York, I had the most miraculous time. My soul was doing what it really wanted to be doing in the daytime. I was doing this video editing course and at nighttime I was going out in New York and I was having the most fabulous time. I was this it was fulfilling my soul in a way that I hadn't been fulfilled before. I had this beautiful apartment with a little rooftop terrace and it was like sex in the city in New York. It was just fabulous. My friend came over and we had all these amazing experiences. But something very absurd began happening to me. 
in New York. Every night I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would like be startled awake and I'd be like, what, what, what? And I felt this like shaking from my soul and my soul would wake me up and my soul started telling me that you need to change the direction of your life. And injuries that I'd had for years and experiences, like I'd wake up and my hip would be really sore and and I'd be like, okay, what's my hip trying to tell me? And this memory would come up from when I was eight years old of being sexually abused by my father and I'd be like, okay, that memory is stored in my hip. So I went through these processes of forgiving all of these memories and these experiences in my life, night after night after night my shoulder, my hip, my groin, my back, all of these old traumas that I had been hanging on to that I was carrying in my cellular body came up for review. And there was one overriding thing that kept coming up. And I wasn't ready or I wasn't willing to face that one thing that kept coming up. And this one thing that kept coming up was like, you need to change the direction of your life. You can't keep living the way that you're living. And I didn't listen. I didn't change the direction of my life. I wasn't willing to at that point. I came home from New York. I came back to my life and I had this feeling that, I was just striving for something again. I just had this amazing experience in New York, but I was still just striving. I was trying desperately to have a baby. It wasn't happening and I was just, I was starting to feel very restless. So Dana and I went on a trip to Indonesia. It's now 2013. We went on a trip to Indonesia for two or three months And while I was on that trip, some really bizarre things started happening to me. And what I know now was I was starting to become multidimensional. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. And at the end of that trip, Dana and I, uh, we went our different directions just for that trip. He wanted to stay surfing uh, for a few more days and I was ready to come home. So I flew home alone. It was August the 7th, 2013. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was the very last time I was going to feel like me. It was the very last night I was going to go to bed as the woman who I had been for the first 34 years of my life. Because when I woke up on August the 8th, that version of my reality was gone. Literally, suddenly, overnight, I had a rapid awakening. And I literally went to bed thinking and feeling one way my entire life. And when I woke up on August the 8th, that reality was shattered. I didn't know who I was, where I was. I didn't recognise my own face when I looked in the mirror. I had literally become multidimensional overnight and my nervous system was like, what the fuck? I was shaking. I was vibrating. 
I woke up dizzy. My head was like in a swirl. I felt like I was on a boat with six-foot seas. I thought I had maybe dengue fever or malaria or something like that. I had none of those things. I had vertigo for four months. I couldn't work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was in a boat with six-foot seas for four months. That's how it started. I had all these weird symptoms and experiences at that time. It was like I didn't know what was real and what was not. I would go out in humanity and everyone looked like plasticine, like everyone looked like Play-Doh people. And what I know now is that was me becoming multidimensional and becoming aware of different dimensions and realities. But at the time it was very frightening. And I remember I would be having conversations with people but it was like I wasn't there. I was standing over there watching myself have these conversations and I was so frightened by all of this I actually went to the doctor, which is something I don't do. And the doctor told me it was something called derealisation. And uh, when I Googled derealisation, I thought, wow, that's exactly what I'm feeling. So this went on for another couple of months, this feeling of being out of body, I guess you could say. And I got sick. I got really sick. I had like chronic fatigue kind of symptoms I thought I had some terrible neurological disorder. The symptoms that moved through my body in this awakening period were very frightening and very confronting. During this time, I'm still trying to get pregnant, um, but I was sick. I was really sick. I lost a lot of weight. I was very fragile. I didn't know whether I was Arthur or Martha. And I started having experiences where intergalactic beings would visit me. And I remember having one particular very large experience where I lied down on the floor and I knew something big was going to happen. I locked my animals outside, I shut the doors and, and these beings came to me and they told me that the earth was ascending in vibration and it was moving to a fifth dimensional consciousness and that I was a pioneer of that. In, in, in essence, I volunteered to go first. I volunteered for my soul to anchor the vibration of these frequencies that were going to be hitting the earth, these light codes. So I knew in 2013 that humanity was shifting and that the earth was going to move into 5D frequency. And at the time in 2013, when I tried to tell people about this, they looked at me like I was crazy. So it became a very private journey. And I began receiving what I call intergalactic downloads of light codes and information that would come from the photon belt, the solar flares. I started being uploaded with these frequencies and this energy and I knew that I was a normal, ordinary person that was having an extraordinary experience. 
And with these downloads that would happen, I would shake, I would vibrate, the energy moved through my body. And this went on for a period of two years. And with each wave of energy, I was forced to face every fear, every thought, every version of myself, every belief system that I had had to that point in my life. And I had to decide, do I want to keep believing that or do I want to choose something different? Do I want to be this version of myself or do I want to choose something different? I was sick for more than two whole years as I underwent this rapid, intense, vibrational upgrade. And in the process of that, I'm still trying to get pregnant. I mean, seriously, I was so sick. I can't even believe I was trying to get pregnant. I was so goddamn sick and I was resisting the extraordinary experience I was going through. I just wanted it to hurry up and be over. And at some point in the journey, probably around the three-year mark, I realised that it wasn't going to be over, that I was on this train of evolution and ascension And it was going to take as long as it take. And that probably would continue for the rest of my living life as we consciously evolve. So back to Surf the Wild Woman and the film and and the vision. For the first several years it was just an idea, just a vision. I had no idea how I was going to bring it together or execute it. And then I was starting to get more well. I was starting to get my strength back after having been sick for so long. And the man who taught me how to surf, Mark Macker, total legend, he died very suddenly and very rapidly in the surf. He had a heart attack surfing out at Kira Point. He caught a beautiful wave, walked around, paddled back out, bang, he's gone. And that was the catalyst for me saying, oh, my God, I cannot die with my music in me. I cannot. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but I have to bring this film to life. So it started with just it's a dream, it's a vision to I'm making a surf documentary. I'm doing it. I didn't know how I was going to do it or what I was going to do But I just put one foot in front of the other and I started applying to government and Screen Australia and Screen West and Screen Queensland. I started applying for grants through the council and I got rejected every single time. But each rejection led to a redirection of what I needed to do next and who I needed to contact. Every bit of feedback I got was like, that next piece of information that would guide me on the next piece of my journey. And this journey is coinciding with regaining my health and wanting to get pregnant. And these journeys work together in unison, side by side. They, they were not separate journeys. So the journey of getting pregnant led me back to my womb led me back to my heart, led me back to my body 
And coming back to my womb space led me to face the sexual abuse from my stepfather. To go through the process of forgiving myself, forgiving him, forgiving my womb. I hadn't menstruated properly for years upon years. And my son invited me onto the journey of healing my womb, reconnecting with my menstrual cycle and really honouring that part of my body and in doing so awakening my sacral chakra and this creative powerful source that was inside of me which would then support the next version of what I needed to do to bring forth Surf the Wild Woman, the film. So I continued on this journey of rediscovering myself and rediscovering my womb when Maka, my friend who passed away, he began to visit me in my dreams. And Maka... He died at Kira Point on the Gold Coast. And for anyone who's ever been to Kira and looked up the hill, there's a giant statue of an eagle overlooking Kira Point. So I dreamed of Maka this one night. I was in Indonesia and there was a giant eagle and it felt very significant. And the next day when I was on the boat going out to the surf, A giant eagle flew overhead and I knew it was a sign from Maka. And that was one of the first instances I had with synchronicity and how power animals and animals of the earth and the plants, they all speak to us if we are willing and we begin to notice. And at the same time that that happened, It was my daughter at first who began communicating with me. She began communicating with me through dreams and symbols and power animals. And once my world opened up to these synchronicities, I couldn't unsee them. I couldn't believe that I didn't see them before. Like how on earth have these synchronicities not be noticeable to me. They weren't noticeable because I wasn't ready. So my daughter began communicating with me and in a dream she told me what she wanted her name to be. And then I would be at Willow Cafe, Willow Drive, Willow Street. I'd be behind a car with a number plate, Willow. Like these synchronicities became so intense that I stopped telling people about them because they thought that I was making them up. If you find yourself listening to this story, take this as proof that the universe is speaking to you. If you open your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit and become aware of when the universe is talking to you, It doesn't need to be a sign for anyone else. If you think it's a sign, it's a sign. So these journeys of birthing Surf the Wild Woman and bringing forth my spirit baby continued to move 
in unison, side by side by side. So it was my 40th birthday coming up and I had applied to Screen Queensland for uh, a funding grant. And because the grant was being released and or being seen, who, who's going to win the grant was being released, it was my 40th birthday, I had myself convinced that, oh, my God, I'm going to get the grant, it's my 40th birthday, yada, yada, yada. I got the rejection email on my 40th birthday and that was like crushing for me because I just truly felt that I had something amazing to offer humanity and the feedback that came forth from that was nobody wants to hear this story. There's no market for this wild woman story. At the same time, I had been communicating with my spirit baby for several years. I had had so many synchronicities, so many dreams. I'd done everything right and I still wasn't pregnant. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you world. What am I supposed to be doing? (laughs) Like I felt like I was doing everything right and still I did not succeed. I would see these obese people drinking a can of Coke and walking with their beautiful little baby and I was like, how is that possible? I would hear of people who were drug addicts and and stuck on ice and have no nutrition and they just get pregnant without even trying. I had friends, you know, saying things, not meaning to upset me, but they would say, oh, I only had to look at a man and I'd be pregnant. I only had to like put my vagina near him and I was pregnant. And I was like, how is that helping me? How is that serving me? It wasn't. I tried organic diets. I tried, I tried everything. I tried doing all the right things. I tried herbs. I tried supplements. And nothing was working. And that's when I was just in these constant layers of surrender. Surrender after surrender after surrender. And just when I felt like I could surrender no more, another layer of surrender would come. And my baby was offering me a different path to pregnancy one that didn't involve control, controlling the outcome. I tried to control the outcome of Surf the Wild Woman and I couldn't. I simply couldn't control it. It had a mind of its own. I went through several processes where it would look like I'd have the funding and it would fall through at the last minute. Or people would offer me the money but it came with control and wanting to control the vision. You see, I couldn't give control of the vision because it was something I couldn't control myself. Surf the Wild Woman was an entity, a 5D or multidimensional consciousness entity that was flowing through me, me as the channel, me as the vessel, 
but I couldn't give control over something I couldn't control myself. So if the wild woman, she was the boss lady. She asked more of me than anything I had ever done before. She asked that I drop friendships, that I sever relationships, that I say no to money because it wasn't in alignment. She called forth a version of myself I didn't know was possible. At some point along the journey, I asked myself, why the hell is this taking so long? I would see people who would come up with a vision and they'd launch it within months. And at this point I'd been on this journey for like seven years or something. And I thought, why the hell is this taking so long? And then it dawned on me. Oh, my God, the penny dropped. I am making a film about the birth of the wild woman and honouring that version of yourself, living your life in alignment, living your life your way. I had to go through the process myself. If I was going to hold the energy and the vibration of a humanity who are going to watch this series, I had to go through birthing my wild woman myself. How could I? How could I hold the vibration of this series if I hadn't become that version of myself? Once I had that epiphany, it got easier. So then my very good friend and producer of the series, Bree, Bree Billington, she went over to the Khan film market and she pitched the idea for Surf the Wild Woman. And for the first time on my seven-year journey, nearly eight years, Global Genesis Group, a distribution company in America, they said yes. Oh, my God, they said yes. What a phenomenal feeling that was. So linking it back to the version of bringing forth my spirit baby, I had connected back with my womb. My menstrual cycle was regular. I was living my life in alignment with the seasons. And everything was moving forward. At this point, I decided or was called to do a year-long shamanic journey called the Four Seasons Journey. And it was run by a magnificent woman called Jane Hardwick Collings. She has a school of shamanic womancraft. And it was a year-long journey delving into the underworld of our psyche. And the crescendo of that journey was a 10-day wilderness camp where myself and 40 women camped on a mountain And each and every one of us did a wilderness solo or a vision quest. We went out for three days and three nights and fasted with only water, no books, no music, no TV, and we camped on the ground with our feet in the earth for three days and three nights, 
zero distractions. And on that three-day and three-night wilderness solo, my soul did not disappoint. The light codes poured in. The information from my soul poured in. The insights poured in. And I stood there on the final day of that vision quest and I declared to the earth, to the planet, to my soul, I will no longer hide my light. I will shine my light so damn bright you will need sunglasses to see when you are in my presence. I declared that to the earth. I let go of the old versions of myself, the outdated stories that were holding me back. I was almost eight years into my journey now of trying to birth surf the wild woman and trying to have a child. Shortly after that one-year journey, that deep dive into the underworld of my soul, I had a dream and in that dream I ended up in my ovaries and there was millions of eggs swaying around and there was a little boy holding my hand and he said, Mummy, it's time to choose myself and he called out, Who wants to be me? And all of these eggs parted ways And this one golden egg rose up from all the other eggs. And this beautiful priestess lady walked down this red path and she handed the egg to my son. And my son told me he wanted to be conceived through IVF. Up to that point in my entire journey, I hadn't considered IVF, not once. I hadn't considered it because I don't do IVF. I'm organic. I'm clean. I'm all these stories I told myself. So it had been my daughter communicating with me for eight years, but it was my son who came forward and said, I want to be conceived through IVF. And that one single piece of information led me on another awakening journey because I had to let go of all the stories I had around how I was going to get pregnant, how I was going to birth this child and bring them into the earth. And I was carrying a lot of dogma and a lot of stories around IVF being a horrible process. It disrupts your body and the hormones and yada, yada, yada. So I'm on this journey and my soul's told me, my son's told me I want to be conceived through IVF. It now looks like Surf the Wild Woman's going to go ahead. Um, At the time we were creating the budget and putting together all the final touches and the momentum was really there for Surf the Wild Woman to go ahead. But these two journeys were working in unison, right? So... I didn't care about getting pregnant. I'm like, I'm just going to take the baby with me. It's not a big deal. 
So I let my soul choose how and who I was going to do IVF with. And I rang up lots of different places and I was told I was too old, being in my 40s. Oh, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that, you're maternal age, yada, yada, yada. And that just didn't sit right for me. So I just kept on calling and I I found a clinic um, two hours away from my home and I just really liked the sound of them. And, you know, when I went to my first appointment, I was driving down the street and there was palm trees on either side of the street and it was a really tropical feeling and my heart just expanded and it opened and I was, oh, my God, this is my place. And when I met the doctor, my heart, you know, body, soul, it just expanded. So I decided to go ahead, but I decided I wasn't going to go into the process of IVF with a negative mind space. I decided that I was going to enter into the process with love and gratitude and that I was going to welcome the medicine into my body with love and that I was going to invite the intelligence of my body to select my golden egg because my son had already shown me. I began looking for a program online that would guide me through this and there was nothing. What I was looking for didn't exist. So that's when I realised that my soul was being asked of something. I was being called to serve humanity and I was being called to serve the millions of women who would follow in my path. On my eight-year journey of bringing forth my son, I had learnt to communicate with spirit babies. I had been taken to the portal in the spirit baby realm and it was now my duty to serve these souls who are now incarnating on the earth. I was being called to that duty. So I began creating these programs before I even got pregnant during the process of getting pregnant. Surf the Wild Woman, the documentary series, is still moving ahead and it's looking like it's going to happen and that I'm more than likely going to be taking my baby with me. So the universe literally rolled open, rolled out a magic carpet for my conception journey and my IVF journey. It was like, I followed all the signs and all the synchronicity and I followed everything perfectly. I went through the cycle and you can imagine my horror when I I didn't get any eggs that would fertilise. I got two eggs through the cycle but then none of them fertilised and I wasn't mentally prepared for that. Because I had done everything right, I'd created this program, I had, and the cycle failed. But I knew that I was going to have a baby. And I also knew that very quickly that I was having the failed cycle because if I had conceived with IVF the very first time that I tried, my programs that I was creating for humanity 
they would be missing a very crucial element. They would be missing the crucial element and the layer of grief. Grief that I did not know was going to happen when the cycle failed. It was a grief that I simply can't explain. So that depth is something I'm forever grateful for. And I'm so grateful to my son for allowing me the process of that grief. So after that cycle failed, I, I was in a pretty bad place for a couple of months and, and so if the wild woman had kind of stalled as well. It now didn't look like it was going to happen because we had now moved out of the surf season. The surf season in Central America runs from March to September. So it, it was looking now like it wasn't going to happen anyway because we were out of season. Fast forward a few months and I decide to have another go with IVF. And this time I took myself through my own program. As I was still formulating it, it wasn't complete yet, but I was still formulating this program. And I felt really good and I felt really expanded. And it was 2019 and... I was about to embark on the cycle of IVF and my auntie, uh, she had some sort of weird stroke, some sort of weird coma thing she went into. She was in the hospital and while I was sitting next to her in the hospital, I kept seeing her standing in a field holding the hand of a little boy. And I just knew that she was holding my son. I just knew. And my auntie died on January the 26th and I conceived the very next cycle on February 20. Cyclone Omar hit the east coast of Australia and I had 10 days of the most miraculous surf. I was staying on the Sunshine Coast and my heart was just so expanded and I knew. I knew that my baby was coming. And when we did the IVF cycle, there was only one egg. But I knew, I knew it was my golden egg. I knew. And when they placed the embryo back into me and my husband was in the room with me and we were holding hands and we were locking eyes as the embryo was inserted into my womb or implanted into my womb and we locked eyes and... It was the most cosmic conscious conception. Even though we had the help of science, we brought magic into that experience. And I knew instantly that I had conceived, that I had conceived my son. And I realised through the pregnancy that it had been my son all along. Yes, I have a daughter. Yes, my daughter was communicating with me. But she was never meant to come first. I just didn't know it for the first eight years. My son was always meant to come first, the little shaman. And my son had facilitated everything. My entire awakening, he'd been part of it. 
the whole lot. And my son wasn't done with me yet. He had so many more lessons for me. And during my pregnancy, he took me deep, deep into the underworld of my soul. And he took me to a very dark place. It wasn't a joyous, light and happy pregnancy. I let go of a lot of long-term friendships during that pregnancy that were no longer in alignment with the evolution of my soul. It was a very dark and a very heavy time. And so if the wild woman was stalled at this time, the series, the documentary series, so, you know, I kind of just accepted it. I was pregnant and, you know, I just was doing the best I could just to enjoy the process even though I was in a dark place. And towards the end of my pregnancy, I started having problems with my eyes. I I called them like little eye attacks, I guess. I started receiving um, light codes and patterns into my eyes and my eyes were swirling. I was seeing all kinds of shapes and patterns and all kinds of different things. And it would last for just a few minutes and my eyes would be blurry and then it would stop. That happened several times in the last trimester and I knew that I was having a consciousness upgrade through my eyes and and through the optic nerve, you know, linked to my pineal gland. But I couldn't really explain it. Um, And then the day before I went into labour, I couldn't see. And I laid in bed the whole day. I was two weeks past my estimation date. Uh, I laid in bed the whole day and I had all these patterns and light codes coming into my eyes and I knew that I was on the way to collect my son. I knew that my soul was on the journey to collect my son. Um, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Um I laid in bed all day thinking that I was just having this upgrade and my sight was just going to come back. But it didn't. And at about 8 o'clock that night I told my husband to call the doctor to come to the house. The doctor came and he said, oh, my God, you have to get her to the hospital. I went to the hospital in an ambulance. I can't see. I'm two weeks past my due date. I'm pregnant. And being in the hospital was my worst nightmare. I planned a home birth for my son. The furthest thing from my mind was being in the hospital. I was so sure of my home birth that I didn't even have a hospital bag packed. It was never going to happen. So I'm at the hospital and they're investigating me for having a stroke. And I'm having all kinds of tests and what have you. When uh, very suddenly I went into labour. The hospital told me, oh, you can't be in labour. This is your first child. You don't know. We'll get someone to come and strap you up to a machine and and see if you're really in labour. I was like, you're not fucking listening. I'm in labour. And they wanted me to have an MRI because I was still waiting to have the MRI. 
I said, you're not listening. I'm in labour. I cannot, I cannot lie in an MRI machine for half an hour straight. I'm in labour. My contractions started hard and they started fast. One minute in duration and two minutes apart right from the beginning. I didn't like the way I was being treated at the hospital, so I checked myself out, blind, unable to see, in labour. Can you believe it? I almost can't believe it myself. I was determined to have a home birth. My husband drove me home. We called the midwife and she came to the house. She allowed my contraction to pass and she came and she held my hand and she had been called by the hospital and she said, Belle, you didn't tell me you were being investigated for a stroke. We have to go back to the hospital. I don't have the skills or the experience to support you. I didn't want to go back to the hospital. I screamed, I cried, I didn't want to go. And she held my hands and she said, you are a strong and powerful woman and you can do this. So we went back to the hospital. I was in labour, it was progressing very fast. I had neurologists coming into the room telling me to stand on one foot and touch my nose. I had neurologists telling me that I would be fatally wounded. I had neurologists telling me that I would not be able to hold my baby because I would be paralysed. I was blind and I was in labour. I birthed that baby, my son, with power I did not know existed, with primal Primal instinct, I birthed my baby. Unfortunately, post-birth, my sight began to return. Shaky at first. My sight took approximately four months to fully restore. And restore it did. I knew that I was being gifted with multidimensional sight and through the birth of my son, I can now see the unseen. I still had a lot of trauma because of the birth of my baby and I knew because of the life that I had lived up to this point I knew that my birth and the way that I had birthed my son had come to teach me something. My son knew that I would inquire as to why I had the birth that I had. And upon inquiry, I learned that I had the birth that I had because I had trauma that was so deep from the sexual abuse that I experienced as a child. It was so deep within my womb that I could not see it. 
Mm. My son gifted me with the ability to heal that trauma that was so deep. I didn't know it was there. And that trauma was preventing me from living my life in the most extraordinary version of myself. So I have a newborn baby. My sight is only slightly returning and the COVID pandemic hits the planet. So if the wild woman cannot go ahead because of all the travel restrictions, the Australian government has placed an international travel ban on all Australians since March 2020 and that remains to this day in June 2021. So I have a newborn baby. I can't go on the film. My sight is still restoring. And I felt completely lost. I thought, what the hell now? And it was then that Surf the Wild Woman revealed to me that she was more than just a documentary series, that she was a brand, she was a movement. And in the time that I had a newborn child, I created the platform that is Surf the Wild Woman and all the content that is now on the page. It's a culmination of everything that I am and how I've come to birth my own wild woman, which for me has been a 10-year journey. I launched Surf the Wild Woman, the platform, on May 19th, 2021 my 43rd birthday, my rebirth. I have recently just signed a new contract for Surf the Wild Woman with Global Genesis Group. We have now collaborated in a partnership for the documentary series and the movement of Surf the Wild Woman. I'm so excited for where this documentary series is moving and how this brand Surf the Wild Woman is going to serve the collective evolution of humanity. I can now see that birthing my wild woman, which has been a 10-year journey for me, has been such a crucial and necessary part of this process and I understand now in hindsight why Surf the Wild Woman, the documentary series, didn't go ahead before. Because if it had of, I would have ended up with far less than what the vision had in store for herself. The entity that is Surf the Wild Woman, she knows what she's doing. And me as the vessel that's, you know, driving her, I just have to trust her. I just have to listen to her with my heart and my soul and do whatever she asks of me. And sometimes that's extraordinary things that I didn't expect. I didn't know that Surf the Wild Woman was going to ask me to end a 14-year friendship. I didn't know that through birthing Surf the Wild Woman and birthing my side, I was going to uncover trauma and sexual abuse that was so deep inside my womb I could not see it. 
I didn't know any of this. And that's the beauty of not knowing because if someone had told me when I first came up with the vision in 2011, if someone had showed me the evolution of this series and what I was going to have to go through to birth this series, I know myself, I would have went, ain't nobody got time for that. I would have just thought that is way too hard. That is in the too hard basket. And that's why it's so important for us to sometimes not know our future and not know the journey. We just have to take one step at a time and put one foot in front of the other. If you've listened to my story and you've listened to this whole hour, hour and ten, thank you so much for honouring me and bearing witness to my story and my journey to bring this vision to life. Thank you and welcome to the Surf the Wild Woman tribe. I'm so excited where we're going as a collective humanity. May the collective consciousness of humanity rise together in heart-centred unity awareness for the highest good of all.